0: Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I'm your host, Ren Robbins, and I'm excited that you're here. This is the place where you will feel encouraged as I share with you my friends' God stories. Whether you are on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or taking me along with you on your walk, I pray that you will feel seen by God and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Let's jump in! Welcome back to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I am super excited. I say that every week. I'm always super excited that you're joining me today. But today is really going to be a practical episode that we can dive in to how we can protect our children online. And that is a hot topic today. It has changed. It has changed since I graduated high school in the 90s. It has changed since I graduated college in 2003. But what I want for you to go through this episode. I want you just to Do not be overwhelmed. Take a deep breath because there are people out there that are following God's will for their life and they are diving in and really doing the legwork for us. And I'm going to introduce you to one of those gals today. So let's jump in. Today's episode is with Tracy Foster, and Tracy is with the Start Company Stand Together and Rethink Technology. And so Welcome, Tracy. I'm so excited that you're here. Oh, Ren, thank you so much. I'm so I'm so honored to be with you today. This is great. I got connected through Amy, um, that is also working with you uh, through Aldra Haney's podcast, uh, um, the Five Minute Mom podcast, and we've become. Uh, great online buddy, So I love that. Um, I think a lot of us as podcasters, as moms, as women are really wanting to take this seriously and know that we have to have help with technology. And you're shaking Mm -hmm. your head because you know, I mean, Tracy, so when y'all started, (laughs) start, okay? When you started this, uh, there were three of you, okay? A teacher, a therapist, and a business person in Kansas City. I want to know which one are you and tell me how to, how did this come to be?
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I am the business person, so I'm the one sitting scratching frameworks and and all of that and getting to enjoy the great joy of being surrounded by these incredibly empathetic Mm -hmm. therapists and teacher co-founders. So it's been such a gift to be part of a trio. And now Krista and I operationally are the ones who help shepherd this. And it's just such a gift to be able to be in this together um, because it's such and actually that's kind of a metaphor for our whole approach is. Dealing with technology is hard. Running a startup nonprofit, that's Mm. hard. Doing Mm. it together makes it less hard. But we think even about this topic of technology the more that we can jump into it together so that our kids aren't the only ones, so we're not navigating this on our own, it's so huge. I did have some business experiences that kind of piqued my interest on this topic. But then it really did start to come up just based on personal things. One of our co founders was at that age where every kid had a phone. And she was thinking, what should I do? And it was right at that juncture where we were just starting to get information about, hmm, maybe this isn't all glitter and unicorns and roses. You know, maybe there are some challenges. And so I'm going to ask you, Ren, have you ever owned or read What to Expect When You're Expecting? I imagine you're familiar with that book. Okay. Yes. So
0: I want to ask you, why did you read that before you had a baby? I wanted to be prepared. I wanted to know Uh what I was getting into. (laughs) No, that sounds awful. But I wanted to be prepared. I really did.
1: Yes. So we started to feel like we need a book called What to Expect When You're Tech-specting. Because we started to ask these questions. When should I give my kid a phone? How should I handle it? How should I feel about social media? And there wasn't this resource book for us to just page through. And even with What to Expect When You're Expecting, your child might be different, but it just gives you some sense some grounding. So there wasn't a book. We couldn't ask our elders, you know, we did, we tried and they would give us encouraging general advice. Oftentimes it ended with, I'm so glad I don't have to navigate this. <laughs> and we're like, Oh, you know, cause we're yeah. the first generation to be raising digital natives. And so then the third thing that we did was we went and asked those friends who were just a little bit ahead of us. And I say often that those conversations rarely lacked strong opinions. If you ask friends just ahead, how do you feel about juggling sports or from the early days, sleeping, feeding? I mean, there are so many topics in parenting Mm -hmm. that can even be divisive and people have really strong opinions on. And they tell them to you and you have to kind of figure out how do I lead through that. But with this, what we started doing those years ago was we went innocently, naively to those parents just a little bit ahead of us and said, hey, we're starting to get into this stage. What should we do? How are you handling it? And instead of getting, you know, sometimes comical, sometimes super confident responses like we would on other things, you could just feel the weight. Mm. You could see their eyes kind of go deer in the headlights and say, I don't know what to do, but you need to do something different because it's not going well. Mm. And they would start to share these stories about just the challenges that they had experienced that were complete accidents. We referenced the Maya Angelou quote a lot that says, I did the best that I could, and then when I knew better, I did better. So I just want to start by saying that there is no shame for parents who have had some of these side effects already happening in their house, who are at a point, even if you have younger kids and you start to feel like, man, I'm, I'm in it too deep, I don't know what to do, You, there is hope, there are steps, and we are here for you, and we as a society are all experimenting with us. There is no wisdom being handed down from the ages and we have to learn from each other and be vulnerable with each other and encourage each other because we all, like you said, we all want to stand together and fight and help our kids fight for our kids to be able to have a happy, healthy life.
0: Yeah. So did y'all see I know your uh, uh two other friends of yours a teacher, a therapist and you were the business person. Did y'all have this? Did you see this in your own life with your kids or did you see it with friends kids or family members? Well, I do
1: think once you start to see it, you see it all over. You see mm-hmm. it at the restaurant, you see it with your babysitters. You see it with I mean, one small thing. I had a babysitter at the time who I one time was getting, I like got sick in the middle of the night, and so in the middle of the night, I sent a text like, "Hey, I'm not feeling well. Could you possibly come tomorrow?" And she replied back immediately, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, are you, why are you awake?" She's like, "Oh, well, I sleep with my phone next to my bed just in case I don't ever want to miss a text." So that actually, by the way, is something we could talk a lot more about the challenges of sleep. But I think that it's something that, to be fully honest, I'm living like I'm experiencing, my kids right now are seven and 10. Mine are the youngest kids of the co-founder group, but really trying to do the best that we can to even get ahead of it. But seeing those side effects, um, seeing the challenges of in some cases, being the only ones who are doing things differently. Those are the realities that we face. And we're trying to do our best to learn from the people who have been in the fire to help reduce forest fires.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And I know a lot of people, I saw something on Facebook the other day of a friend that said, Hey, are y'all in for this wait till eighth? You know, where it's, you know, mm-hmm. wait till eighth grade to get your kid a phone. I'm like, let's can we wait till 12th? <laughs> <laughs> and I know that's not feasible, but I, I like that y'all are coming through. I mean, I like how start S T A R T stands for stand together and rethink technology. And that's what the thing is about. And I love how you said, you know, don't beat yourself up if you have older kids or, or you have a, a kiddo that has a phone and you're like, oh, don't beat yourself up. But here, these are tools to put in our tool belt to know what can we do from here? Because I know, and your t-shirt says it all right there. Tell everybody about your t-shirt, what it says. It's so cute. <laughs>
1: oh, thank you. It says, do more
0: things that make you forget to check your phone.
1: And we love that phrase because we are not anti-technology. We are not trying to create a situation where we're kind of just like always slapping our kids' wrists and saying, no, no, no. What we want is to call them and us into something better, into a life well-lived that we really want, because I don't know if you ever find this, Ren, but I find with my own technology use that oftentimes there are things that I actually really want to do. Mm -hmm. And just because I get sucked in, I actually didn't read that book or call that friend or make that food, these things that I actually wanted to do and would have brought me joy because it's just so easy to fall into other things. And so the more that we can be aware of what are the things we're really striving for, not from an overly ambitious obsession with goals, but just who do I want to be in my life in terms of kindness and generosity and hospitality, and actually start to put on this filter of, when is my technology helping me to do that? Because it helps us. I mean, sign up genius, meal trains, all these things, texting, all these different things that we can do on our phone to encourage and lift up. But then think about where is it standing in our way? Like one practical thing I'm working on doing right now is upgrading my communication channel by one level. So if I'm on social media, because of course I am, but um, and you don't have to be, but I do choose to be, But um, if I'm on social media and I see someone who posts something either really exciting or really sad, instead of just commenting, I'm like, okay, hey, I'm actually going to text this person because it's like, well, they just posted something heavy, like posting a poop emoji in response to this or an emoji with a sad face. That's nice. But like, what does that give? And then you can start to get deeper. Or then if someone does a group text about something, I mean, I just had a dear friend who went through something so hard. And the first way it started to get processed is through a group text. And this, I mean, all of the ladies on this text were nothing but encouraging, supportive, helpful in there with you. And I realized I was like, I need to call this lady. Like Mm -hmm. we should, this is a convo. So anyways, there are just so many ways where some of the easiness or just the on the go-ness is actually standing in the way of us really connecting more deeply with others or with other things we
0: really value in our lives. I love how you said that, that it's, and there's two keywords that I heard when you said that you said, and us, so it really, it starts with us. And that's where it's kind of gets a little bit hard because we're like, Oh, but I love my social media. And then when you get your, you know, weekly on Sundays, I get my weekly, your weekly did you know, percentage wise and how many hours a day. And you're like, wait, wait, what, excuse me. Could, could, I'm like, maybe it's my text that's on that yes, thing too. The like, self-justification. You know, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know, I was driving a
1: lot this week. Yes. And this probably Google Maps. Oh, Surely that's what it was. I right? was
0: listening to podcasts, going to get my son. Yeah. I mean, come on, that has to be at least, you know, <laughs> a bunch of that, the majority of that. So I think that, and us like we have to look within ourselves, how do we do that for us first? And I know you yes. and, and I love that you said that, you know, you're not going to be totally off of social media. What can we do practically as a as a mom, as a family? What can we commit to do?
1: Yeah. Well, it kind of depends on the age of your kids for some of the things I'm going to say, but the two things that first come to my mind is the first one is just start to get that lens. It's almost like if you're about to buy a new car and you're like, wow, I've never noticed how many navy blue Toyota Sienna there are on the road. Yeah. They're everywhere because all of a sudden that's what you've been looking at. Right. Mm -hmm. And so taking that same type of lens to look at your own technology to maybe grab, we have a tool called a social media playbook. That can help you look at your values and think about how your social media is or is not um, aligning with those values. You can do something like that, but even at the most basic level, to just be attuned to this thing hey, where is my tech actually not helping me? Because once you get that general, you start to, data starts to flow and you notice some of these things. But then, depending on the age of your kids, I think one of the really helpful things to do is to go through two conversations one where you start with values of saying, hey, what does it mean to be a foster or a Smith or a Robbins? Like, what are some of the things that our family really loves that we really want to be in this world? Um, and then you get those attributes like service oriented, welcoming, adventurous, stewardship, can, stewardship yeah, all these things, yeah. you know, they can be fun things or depending on the age of your kids, you'll get like, we love pizza and you're like, yeah. we, or we love in and yeah. you're like, yes. And let's, what does that mean? We love pizza because we love coming together as a family and having this quality time. Right. So you can start to brainstorm some of those things, maybe even like jot them down on a piece of paper. It doesn't need to be Pinterest or Etsy level, pop them up on the fridge and then take a couple weeks where you start to notice and call out times when someone really honored that, like, Hey buddy, wow. What you did there, that really was kind. And, and that's what we like to be in this family. And I'm really excited about that. And then sometimes you can, you can use it to correct as well. But then when you come back around a few weeks later, and this is, especially if your kids are starting to be like in grade school or older to say, Hey, I just want to tell you, I noticed that sometimes my phone has gotten in the way. And I know that I'm doing some good things on my phone. Cause let's be clear. You know, we are doing work. We are doing household management. We are doing right. relationship management on these devices. Like, man, you know, I noticed that one of the things I really want to do is be encouraging and you had your, you know, first basket in the basketball game and I was ordering toilet paper from target, you know, or whatever it is. And I was looking down at my phone and that, I don't know, have you noticed that? How how do you feel like, and depending on the age of your kids, if they also are starting to have screen access through like iPads or through devices of their own, it can really unlock this conversation where they start to, hopefully if you've set the tone of vulnerability, they start to say, yeah, you know, mom, I am saying that. And you can relate to that. And then they can share. And then you can, and then over time, you can start to share with them. Hey, how do you notice that? Mm. Because I think one of the most powerful things here is leading with empathy, because to your point, Ren, I mean, like I felt a physical shudder with something that you said earlier about like, are we going to give away? Our t- you know, like these things are hard. I don't want to do it. Why do we have that physical reaction? It's because it's important to us. It's because it yeah. is a life, a lifeline. And so the more that we can experiment on some of these things, if we can say, okay, hey, we're going to ask our kids to put their devices away at bedtime, we'll try it too. Or this one's really bold, but I think is potentially really valuable for families more broadly. We're going to put some device filters that help reduce the type of content that we can get access to. And guess what? This isn't a trust issue. This isn't just you. Our whole family is going to have some of these parameters because we don't want to be in that muck either. Hmm. So those are just a, some of the thoughts about how we can start to lead in a really vulnerable and empathetic way.
0: Hmm. I think that's so important. And I think on one of y'all's uh, y'all have a podcast called screen sanity and it's great. And I, I, um, I looked at your website and, and I think I gleaned this from y'all where you explain to your kids, like what you're doing on your phone. Yes. I, I love that because I realized, cause y'all said, you know, he just, your kid might just see you. Thinking you're just scrolling, wasting time, and so I tried it, and it really was good for me to be like, okay, this is not a shameful thing, Ren. Like I was like, hey, I'm paying some bills online right now. Like I said it yesterday because I wanted him to know this is still something that I can use for good. But then, and then I'll say, hey, I'm checking my email, and then when I'm realized, and it really helped me to be like, okay. I did the bills, I did the email and now I'm scrolling. Now it's time to put it away, Ren. You know, so it was really good, like verbally saying that. So I loved, I love that episode, uh, specifically one that you you were on. Um, I appreciated that.
1: Oh, good. I'm so glad. I find it so helpful. It's just like when our kids are little and the parents as teachers or other early elementary, early education, people say, narrate, I'm opening the dishwasher. I'm doing these other things, you know? Because your kids tend to, especially the younger kids, they tend to assume that anytime you're on a screen, it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. And for most of us adults, we're doing these very practical things on there. Yeah. And I will add totally open and candidly that this helps me have some accountability for myself. Yes. Because I'll say things like, I remember the first time that I said, Oh, hey, I'm trying to schedule a play date with Novi. So I'll, I'm going to do a few things. But then you pick up your phone, there are so many notifications. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you sometimes just, Forget, like there are times where, like, five minutes in, I'll be like, "Wait, what did I pick this up for?" But this time, I went through some of the rabbit holes, and then one of my kids, so sweetly, so innocently—I mean, he was probably like four years old at the time—said, "Oh, so how's are we going to get to do a play date? And my face literally was, "Wait, um, what?" I didn't even remember. Oh my gosh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Right now. Forgot about that. I had not even done the task. So narrating was so helpful for me, and just a really powerful.
0: Oh, yeah. And I know my son, I mean, he's nine and I know he's going to be like, hey, did you do whatever X, Y, Z? And I'll be like, oh, So Mm -hmm. it's kind of scary to say, "Okay, I'm going to say it. But when you say it, it is also accountability for yourself. And so and you're modeling that for your kids. So I love that. Okay, I want to go back a little bit. You said something like we are the first generation of parents who are raising digital natives. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. So you and I both got technology much later in life when, you know, we got phones in high school or in college, most likely. And so we had this bench of IRL of in real life experiences, and we had more fully developed brains, which is Mm -hmm. something that has such a big effect on these kiddos is they're getting this information while their brains are just so much more underdeveloped. Mm -hmm. So we have adapted to technology our kids are technology natives. They have never known a day where we didn't have a phone in our pocket. Uh Um, Or even for teenagers where maybe their parent didn't technically have a phone, the same an iPhone level phone, we had already increasing levels of responsibility of of accessibility. Mm -hmm. So this is just like part of the water in which our kids swim. And I think one thing that can happen a lot is that we start, so first of all, we need to know how to manage that and and be attuned to that. And what's interesting is recent studies show that only 14% of youth report that they have ever had a helpful conversation with any trusted adult about their digital life. Mm. And that's where our kids are living their lives. So they are living these things online with no guidance. The other thing about them being digital natives is that I think it can be really easy. And I put myself in this bucket to feel like our kids are tech savvier than we are. You know, it, I mean, you mm. can see these young kids, they know, all. they already know how to operate an iPad. Now these things are designed to be made really easy to use, but you can be so like, well, they know everything they're doing. Oh, wow. My kids were just able to recode my garage keypad yeah. for me and like, <laughs> I've had that on my list for a year. How did they figure out how to do that, right? Uh And so you should celebrate some of these things. But I think it can be really common for us then to put a narrative on ourselves of we don't have anything to offer here. They're digital natives. They know how to use technology. So it's almost like this new type of digital divide where, well, there they are. We give them their device, go off, and here we are. But in almost every other area of life, we want to be mentors and guides to our kids And we're, we're, we're tripping on that because of this sense that we can't do it unless we're experts. We will probably not be tech experts ahead of them, but we will be relational life experts. We know what that looks like. We know what it looks like to be left out, to go through adolescence. And so that's one thing that I would just really encourage to know. We are the first generation and they are the first generation, but we still have a lot to offer. Uh, That's good. Do you
0: find it, it's harder for us to add another, like another thing on our list as parents that we're having to set up those digital healthy habits. I think it's, it's more of like, I saw something on, I guess it might've been even TikTok or Instagram where I think it was a video, maybe Facebook, whatever. Um, and it's, and it had something like, if you don't do this, you're going to miss your iPad time. And then the kid was like, yeah, but then you're going to have to play with me. And it was like, Oh, you know, a lot of us will give an iPad, give a phone, whatever, to keep them busy when it really comes down, it really comes down to us and our heart and our motives and really, you know, what we want to do and how we want to train the kids. And that hurts. I mean, I'm like, Ooh, that one, that one, that one burns a little bit, stings. So what can we do, you know, that I know it's, it's another thing to add, but it is so very important. So what would you say to the mom out there that is hesitant to do this, but knows it's needed?
1: Yeah. I think one of the biggest things is just that it will pay off. Mm. Um, You might feel like it's going to be an investment and it will probably be an initial investment where you and your kids fight through like Brene Brown talks about how teens have never experienced boredom because they're so glued to their devices. And so the first time they get into a situation like that, or the first or the second and the third and the fourth for some period of time, they're going to feel like they are dying is what she described because it's just like, no, and they're going to, they're going to ask, and you're going to feel this need to be their cruise director. But if you can fight through it for a little bit of time, there is such a payoff, not just a payoff from all of these mental health things, which is obviously in and of itself, an incredibly worthwhile reason, But payoffs to you, because I mean, this is what we hear from so many parents, but I can relate, you know, sometimes when you give your kids screens, because you need to, and by the way, it's okay to give your kids screen when you have intention, this is a time for them to use it. But you get the short term benefit. And sometimes you end up with like a raging monster at the Mm -hmm. end, you know, just from a, from an energy standpoint, their emotions and different kids handle screens, different ways. It's about self-regulation, different amounts of time. But I feel like it's a little bit of a long game where if you start to build some of those muscles, you as a parent will end up getting such a huge payoff. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is, I think even sometimes it can be easy to say, oh, my kids aren't old enough yet. I'll just wait till they're older and later on. And I think one of the biggest motivations for me is it is so much easier to set some of these habits earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, I will share one of the things that's a heavier topic. Related to this space is access to unsavory content like porn. I mean, we could do a whole long conversation about that, but a lot of parents are hesitant to talk with their kids about porn because they don't want to introduce that topic or it just feels awkward. And one of my biggest advices here is the earlier you talk to your kids about it, you are doing yourself a favor. You are doing them a favor because you're preparing them for what's coming. But also they don't think it's that awkward yet. Mm. So like, you can actually have a, you can read the entire pic. We love this book called good pictures, bad pictures, which I know you know. Yes. And um, one time, one of my kids literally picked it up. He had to do some reading out loud for school. Like it was on the bookshelf and he just picked it up because it was the first one and started reading it totally flat faced. Not like this is awkward. Wow. And he's a grade school kid, you know, and you're like, wow, this is because we've gotten ahead of it. So there are a lot of different things like that where if you can start, and, and, and if you're not, if you're in the thick of it, you can feel down about that. But guess what, by jumping in now, you're still getting ahead of it, uh-huh. of whatever is coming down the line. So I think thinking about some of those benefits. Um, the other thing is, we would encourage people to try to maybe think about a time where you can tag it on to something. So like, hey, let's do a reset for summer, or, you know, something like that, so that you can just get in and start helping to set some of those intentions. Um Another thing I would say is that I think that it can feel really isolating and alone to do it. And so one of our resources, which I know you have our screen sanity booklet, it's essentially designed to go through as like a book club yeah. with your wow. small group or with a few other ladies. And I think this actually is one of the easiest ways to start to identify what's the one thing that I care about most. Is it getting devices away from the dinner table? Is it Getting devices out of bedrooms at night? Is it reducing time? But starting by having some of the foundational conversations with a few other people is what makes it seem like you're less climbing a mountain by yourself. Mm. Um, And so I think that then makes some of the different things. You have the encouragers, you have the helpers, and we help provide the content for you to talk about, but there's just nothing that compares to doing this and having these conversations with those around you. And we know that people don't want to feel like they're being there, like, know it all, like, oh, look, you know, this can be polarizing. Yes. And so this is kind of designed so that you can say, oh, I'm trying to figure this out. Are any of you guys thinking about this, too? If so, let's yes. figure it out together.
0: I agree. And I, I literally read... Um, Screen Sanity, the group study y'all sent me, I read it cover to cover. It was, and and I'm like, I'm doing this. Like I I will do it by myself. I'm going to get a group, but we're going to do it because it's so good. And yes, I did not have, Um, you know, things to go through it, you know, I didn't have the whole set, but I have the book and I was like, this is gold. Like this is much needed. So I think that's, I think that's incredible. And tell us about some of your resources that you have for us. There are a few that are free downloads. So tell us about that and where we can find you online.
1: Yes. Well, our website is westartnow.org and all of our resources, even our screen sanity group study is available as a download. Um, we are a nonprofit, so if you download it, the only thing that we ask is it's for personal use. Please don't download it and print it 50 times, and then oh, give it sure. away. we'd love that. We love that, but at least tell us that you did it so that we can know to with it to people. But so we have our screen sanity group study, um, which is a training. We also have a social media playbook, which is an interactive journal, particularly designed to help kids as they're entering the world of social media before they get that first app to say, Hey, let's talk about it. And it helps give you the words to know what to ask. It helps give them an outside voice because it's not just your mom saying, well, what are you going to do about this? It kind of gives authenticity or, or credibility to it. We also have some parent guides about things like Snapchat okay. and, oh, and our social media playbook is, and some of our other tools are also available in Spanish. I also, a couple other things I can highlight is we have a video game decision tree. One of our biggest philosophies is that with video games, again, they're not all bad. What makes it harder is that different kids can handle different things. And so this helps you. We worked with a neurotherapist to develop this. It looks at the emotional state and the level of self-regulation that your kids are able to maintain as a guide for you and them to understand, hey, here's why this is too much for you. We're seeing this type of behavior. So our video game decision tree. And then also we have a smartphone toolkit, which is if you're about to get your kiddo a phone, here's something to walk through with them, to talk through with them to help set intentions for the road ahead.
0: And y'all have been very uh, clear and very um, specific. And I love that because on the smartphone plan, it's cast a vision accountability. It's like they have their learner's permit, device-free zones, time well spent. And then, and if they, and the tree you talked about, the gaming tree, if they, uh, pitch a fit, <laughs> you know, if, if they really have irritable behavior, then you're like, okay, then there's a consequence to that, you know, that yes. they don't get as much time next time. So I think y'all have really thought of everything. And so I want everyone to mm-hmm. check y'all mm-hmm. out. Can you tell us where we can find you on social media? Because yes. it's not bad to have social media. It's just, no, you gotta, gotta look at, at how much time. Yeah. Our
1: handle on Instagram is we.start.now. And on Facebook, we're at Start, Stand Together, and Rethink Technology.
0: Awesome. Okay, so at the end of each episode, I ask my guests, what are they eating, reading, and loving? So Tracy, what are you eating, reading, and loving? Yes.
1: Well, right now I am reading an early release book by Andy Crouch, his new book called The Life You're Looking For. Mm. And it is incredible. It is looking at how what our true greatest need is, is basically to be seen and known and loved and embedded in rich relationships with those around us. And it, it really relates to the topic, which is why I'm reading it right now, but how the ease of technology has kind of changed some of the norms and our, and expectations and the ways that we're manifesting. So it's super deep and super powerful for just thinking, what am I, what am I seeking? Yeah. Um, In terms of eating, I love Key Lime LaCroix that's drinking and I love eating cookie ball energy balls. Yes. (gasps) Are those the ones with oatmeal and stuff? Yes.
0: (gasps) They're so good.
1: (laughs) They're so good. They fuel my entire life. Um, (laughs) Let's see. I love Encanto. I love Encanto.
0: We finally just watched it. And I said, with my Southern accent to my son, I said, are we going to watch Encanto? Yes, it's not (laughs) Encanto. It's Encanto. I'm like, okay. Yeah, Um, it's amazing.
1: Had your your son heard, we don't talk about Bruno even before you watched the movie? Oh, I'm
0: sure he did. I'm sure he did at school. I just know he knew about the movie. I was like, okay. So, and that's another thing is why we need to talk to our kids about devices and stuff. Because we want to teach them, not somebody else at school. They're going to hear it, right? They're going to
1: hear it. They're I mean, gonna that's, that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I know you probably know this, but that's the biggest entry point for a lot of kids around porn is they want to know about sex. So they just Google it mm-hmm. and they're curious. And so if we're not teaching them what it is and what it right. should be, they are educating themselves through Google yeah. who has probably very different beliefs Mm -hmm. and opinions and perspectives. So, um, wow. Yeah.
0: Mm, Yeah. That's a thing. Okay. So tell us, leave us with, uh, what you want to leave with us right now to encourage us mamas out there that we are just like, okay, we know we need to do it and we're going to do it. Um, what would you say to them?
1: My first thought is just to know that you're not alone and know that it's worth it. And to say, it's going to feel uncomfortable at times. You're going to have to have awkward conversations, but just knowing that if you can get in there with your kids, it is one of the best things to help set them up for Mm. healthy, happy life and to do it with others so that you guys are cheering for each other and rooting for each other. We will always be there to help be the Sherpa carrying your bags as you climb up the mountain that is Mm. parenthood and help you reach the summit. But for you to have other people coming alongside with you, that's what makes the journey
0: so much more manageable. Wow. Um, that's incredible. That's a great word to amazing. leave us with. We appreciate you so much for taking that step out and following the Lord in starting start. And we are so grateful and I'm grateful that you gave me time today. So thank you so thank much you. for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you so much, Ren. It was such a privilege and pleasure.
0: Thank you for joining me for today's show. For more encouragement, Hop on over to Instagram at Friends of a Feather Podcast. I would love for you to send me a direct message and say hi. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. Remember, we are all Friends of a Feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.